This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. There was a big surprise as Conservative leader Andrew Scheer unveiled his shadow cabinet this morning, despite the fact that he has many prominent and long-standing Conservatives in his caucus, he chose Leona Alislev as his deputy leader. And as you heard in Bob's news, she is a Conservative newbie. She crossed the floor after being elected as a Liberal. Leona embodies exactly the type of person that we are trying to reach out to to show that you, if you have voted Liberal in the past, if you are disappointed with the government that Justin Trudeau has been providing Canadians, there is a place for you in the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, she came to our party uh, well before the last election and she's worked very hard. She's gained the confidence of our entire team and I'm very excited at having her by my side as we go forward so that we can uh, convince the people in Ontario, the people in the Greater Toronto area that perhaps were willing uh, to give us a chance but did not vote for us ultimately on election day, that we can earn their support in the next election, uh, whenever that may come. Okay, well, does this choice have anything to do with the loud and open campaign to replace Scheer? Lobbyist and campaign guru Corey Tanike has called for his resignation and launched a conservative victory campaign to promote his ouster. Former Deputy Leader Lisa Raid is quoted as saying that he was not strong in the last campaign and several high-profile party members, including Rana Ambrose and Michelle Rempel, have criticized his stand on the LGBT community. I'd like to hear from you. Numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we begin with Ashton Arsenault, a consultant at Crestview Strategies, and John McIntyre, a conservative activist, political consultant, and president of Bradgate Research Group. Hey, guys, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Okay, let's start with John. Is this, uh, would you say, an unusual level of dissent, or is it, as Andrew Shear said, that there is quite a tradition of this kind of uh, uh, knives out in the Conservative Party? Uh, well, two things. Uh, Two-part question there. Uh, the first one is um, I'm surprised that Andrew would actually want to reference history because history doesn't serve him well in that the only time uh, there's been dissension in the party around the leadership and, uh, you know, uh, talk about getting rid of the leader is when in the past leaders haven't been up to the job and have had to be forced out or uh, made really apparent that uh, they weren't up to the job. So that's a that's a weird thing on Andrew's part. And the second part is, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of reflecting back um, when we've had uh, reviews of leader provincially, federally in Ontario, and I can't remember ever this early. Like, we're talking about a vote that's not happening until April, and the amount of people that have come out publicly and called for sure to move on, I think is unprecedented. I don't think we've ever had 
this many people. And and if and if we have, it's been from one wing of the party or the other. Whereas in this instance, you're really talking about widespread dissatisfaction with Sheer. Uh, the people who supported him for leader uh, are the most vocal. The uh, vocal that he should leave. And those who weren't with him are fairly vocal. So it's pretty widespread. And if anything, there seems to be unity for replacing Shear. The minority opinion appears to be with Shear. And he may actually, in my opinion, I, I've actually come to the uh, conclusion in the last week that he may be the first leader, if he stays until April, to lose outright. Interesting. Ashton Arsenault, would you agree with that? And is part of his problem that he didn't do enough to satisfy his socially conservative base and and the people who are socially liberal uh, think he's unelectable? Yeah, I certainly agree with certain elements of what John said. Look, I think there's no question that the walls are closing in a little bit. Um, But I'll say this, fortunately for Sheer. Uh, I think it's a bit premature to describe all of this as fatal. Um, I'd be shocked if he didn't at least make it to April. Um, obviously, the big fight comes then. Uh, look, there's no question that there's considerable criticism being directed his way currently. And I think most concerningly from uh, Andrew Shear's perspective is that the criticism, as John mentioned, is coming from multiple wings of the party. Uh, we've seen some pushback from Quebec candidates. We've seen some pushback from the social wing of the party. And we've seen some pushback from the more progressive elements of the party as well. Um, in order for Andrew Scheer to survive, he's going to need to work a ton with his caucus in the coming weeks and months. If his own caucus starts to question his leadership, his days are numbered in a bad, bad way. And that's just not something we've seen just yet uh, outside of one or two one-offs. Um, above all costs, he's going to have to make sure that they stay on side because they're the ones that are going to be inter- instrumental in lining up delegates to support his leadership in April. I think he also needs to find some time for some introspection. Uh, look, um, he needs to ask himself, what can I do differently? How did I fail personally? And who can I surround myself with to help right this ship? Well, it We've looks seen a like few he's, elements of that. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's done that. John is part of the problem that when he was elected, it was thought that there was no way to defeat Justin Trudeau and he'd just be a caretaker. And then the election rolls around. Trudeau's vulnerable and he, you know, didn't do it. Uh, you know, to be fair to Andrew, at the time he was elected leader, uh, he at least ran for the job along with a whole host of other people. And um, uh, nobody at that time thought that Trudeau would be beatable. But, you know, yeah. that's convenient today to look back two years ago and, and use that as any kind of measure. What was clear was well before the campaign began officially, earlier this year, it was clear to certainly anybody of a conservative viewpoint, and I'd suggest given the the, the small percentage of people that voted for the Liberals, uh, supporters of other parties, that the vast majority of Canadians came to a clear conclusion that it was time to get rid of Trudeau as Prime Minister. Now, the vagarities of our electoral system um, turned out to work in his, fa- in his favor on election night, but that was primarily because Scheer and his team, uh, and let, let's be clear, he should share credit with his team, um, that failed miserably to conduct an effective campaign. Their message didn't resonate. His performance uh, was not stellar. And uh, worst of all, 
uh, the, the errors that everybody are talking about uh, was his inability to communicate on the basic questions that he should have had nailed the night he became leader two years ago. So for all of that as the backdrop, it, it's mind-boggling to think of how does anybody, I mean, listen to what Andrew said there on your clip, um, convincing Canadians? I mean, what else can he do to convince Canadians? I, I think most people are already at the conclusion of you had your chance and you blew it and we're not giving you a second one. Hmm. Uh, Ashton, do you agree with those things? And, uh, you know, the argument is that, well, he increased the number of seats. He actually did quite well. And, and usually you, you don't win on the first go up, go around. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with John on this point. The, the goalposts certainly shifted from an expectation standpoint from the moment that Andrew Scheer was elected leader. Uh, everybody at the time sort of had deduced that uh, Justin Trudeau was going to have another runaway majority. But as the goalposts started to shift over time, expectations changed along with them. And the problem with shifting expectations is can't go back to the old set. And that's currently the situation that Andrew uh, Scheer finds himself in. Uh, look, I think that he's going to have an awful lot of work to do in the lead up to April. There's some very serious shortcomings in this campaign that need to be addressed. And I don't think the dismissal of two staffers is going to quite tie that circle. Um, so, you know, up until now, it'll be interesting to see how they perform in the House. Of course, they come back next week and there'll be a lot to chew on because the government, I'm sure, will come stumbling out of the gate. Uh, that having been said, the road is very, very long for Andrew Scheer. And uh, Corey Tonight has started this nonprofit uh, victory, conservative victory campaign. Uh, you know, Shears people are dismissing it, saying, well, he he's sour grapes, bitter because he worked for Bernier. Is that a reasonable criticism or is this a formidable thing that he's going to have to fight? Yeah, I mean, look, I think there's certainly an element of uh, being on the wrong side of the history and losing leadership races. I, I know John and myself have worked on campaigns, not all of them having been successful. And, uh, you know, you don't forget losses uh, as easily as you celebrate victories. I, I think anybody that works in the political world will tell you that first thing. Um, that having been said, you know, uh, whenever a leadership review comes around, there's always going to be opposing camps. I think in this case, it's a little bit more severe and acute than what we've seen in the past, as John has rightfully pointed out. Um, but this is how you get the rallying cry going, right? So the drums start playing and you try to get everybody into the respective camp that you think will ultimately uh, lead to you uh, being on top of the boat pole when it's all counted. Um, I'm not surprised that certain individuals are acting in the manner that they are. I mean, this is campaigning sort of 101. Uh, they're putting themselves out there. They're getting lots of media hits, and they're sort of bringing attention to their cause. It's exactly what you would expect. Okay, let's take a call from Simon in Toronto. Hi, Simon. Oh, hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. Um, just a couple of notes that I want to um, want to make. Um, I just find uh, Sheer, he may have learned a lot uh, during the last election, but I still think he hasn't learned everything. Um, and I mainly say that uh, just the way he addresses uh, the, our media. Um, if you notice during the election, and even as far as the latest clip that you played with him, uh, to me, he sounds like a very hostile leader. Um, he's 
he's uh, he's he appears or almost comes across as a stubborn uh, leader. Uh, even as the journalists are asking him questions, he just continues talking, um, and it's I don't know. I find it rather um, rather a turnoff coming from a leader. You don't see that from the NDP, and you certainly don't see it from the prime minister. Um, so I, I don't know. I think he's going to have a lot of problems. Uh, I believe that he's probably going to be uh, pushed out because conservatives know that um, he, he is a liability to the party right now. Okay. He, he blew the election. And I think he's um, I think he's on the way out, uh, Libby. OK, trying, thanks, Simon. Mend, Simon, Ontario. thank you for your call. Uh, yeah, so Simon thinks uh, that Andrew Shearer is on the way out. Let me give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from other people in the audience. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We're speaking with Ashton Arsenault of Crestview Strategies and John McEtitian from the Bradgate Research Group. And one of the things that Corey tonight said was... If Andrew Shear stays on, you should get rid of the review step and go right to a leadership because in a minority parliament, the party doesn't have time for that. Is that is that a, a, a reasonable argument, Ashton? Uh, not a ton of precedent for it, um, certainly, uh, and sort of a self-serving uh, diagnosis, if, if I'm to be honest, from Corey. I can obviously see what the... The end goal is there if I'm sitting in Corey's chair, but um, just due to the fact that with the seed increase and the win in popular vote, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but uh, that is more or less social license to stay on and at least make it to the review. That would be my assessment. I mean, stepping down now uh, with those two facts in your back pocket doesn't make much sense to me. John? Uh, uh, I know Corey. Uh, Corey is uh, one of the smartest uh, operators in politics in Canada, and I don't believe for a second that that's genuine advice, uh, because that would rank among the worst advice of all time. The only time we've ever seen anybody do something so stupid, in fact, would have been Joe Clark. I was just thinking that got two out of three votes and said, uh, geez, two out of three is not enough for me. I need one out of two as a mandate. So uh, I, I think Corey's uh, being a little mischievous, uh, we'll, we'll put it that way. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, Corey's uh, made it clear what, what he thinks. Um, but to Ashton's point, um, the question becomes, uh, can, can Shear do what's necessary between now and April to uh, retain the leadership? And uh, I'll go back to, uh, uh, you know, we're kind of famously talking about two or three moments during the campaign where things fell apart for him. Uh, to be fair, the seeds of the election loss were sown almost from the day he became leader in his management style. Uh, you know, we had a leader in Sheer who won on the 13th ballot, and he didn't do what most successful leaders do, which is build a team of rivals. Uh, you know, I think of uh, Bill Davis or Mike Harris or even Abraham Lincoln. And, uh, you know, if you look at who was in the war room, who were the key people on this last campaign, for all the talent our party has, if you weren't with Sheer on first ballot, 
you were not part of that war room. And and uh, if you look at the people that he's appointed so far, that seems to be the case. Though so I guess we'll get the full shadow cabinet tomorrow. Uh, let's take a couple more calls. We've got Lou in Toronto. Hi, Lou. Hey, how are you today? Fine. How are you? Good, good. I would just beg to differ with your uh, guests. Not not with you, but with your guests. They're not not entirely right. But I don't think Sharon needed to do anything of the stellar variety to have uprooted Trudeau. I think he really blew it. But to give him some justice, I'm not sure who arranged for his campaign leadership, uh, backbenchers and his handlers. They deserve to take a large part of that brunt as well. Okay, uh, thank you for that, Lou. Let's hear second, from... One, one question, t- if I may. Uh, no, we're sort of running out of time, so uh, we're going to move along and take Tina in St. Catharines. Hi, Tina. Hi, how are you? Fine. Go ahead. Uh, my, uh, my comment is on why Sheer lost. Um, here in Ontario, we have suffered under Doug Ford for a while now, and I think that's one of the reasons that Ontario went liberal really big. Sheer has no personality. He has old-fashioned values about abortion and, and uh, LGBT people, and it just doesn't fit here. And on top of that, uh, people here were getting together and, and convincing each other to vote liberal just so we didn't get uh, Sheer because of his non-personality and his old-fashioned ideas and the nastiness. Mm. Okay, um, Tina, I think that about sums it up. Thank you for your call. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, uh, we are going to wrap uh, this up. So, John McCutcheon, do they need somebody who is kind of more progressive and has more personality, if you want to use Tina's explanation, to win? Um, that would be a great idea. Uh, the, the reality is uh, easier said than done. And you, you know, as a as someone who voted for the leader last time, uh, I mean, uh, Sheer was my fifth choice, and my fifth choice played. Um, you know, uh, for all the great people that are out there, if you don't have someone run for leader who can do the job, then and the party doesn't pick that person, uh, then you get what you get. So no one can fault Andrew for being someone who ran last time and won. But clearly, the choice we made was insufficient to get the job done that we needed to get done. Okay. And Ashton, what would you like to leave us with? Yeah, I'll just say that, you know, uh, the former leader of the party who was prime minister for 10 years is probably not going to have his face etched into the uh, progressive Mount Rushmore, nor would I uh, think that anybody would accuse him of having a flamboyant personality. (laughs) But What I think we can all agree on is that uh, if you're a conservative, the federal campaign did not go your way. There's a few reasons that I think everybody has an opinion uh, as to why that is the case. But I think Andrew Scheer, first and foremost, really has to build a team around him that addresses some of his sort of glaring gaps. And until that happens, you're going to keep seeing media stories about his demise. Okay. Thank you both. Ashton Arsenault of Crestview Strategies and John McCutcheon from the Bradgate Research Group. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Libby. Thank you. Okay. Now, uh, presumably for the other side of the coin, I'm going to bring in MP 
John Barlow from Foothills in Alberta. Hi, John. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. So, uh, first of all, a lot of people are kind of shaking their heads as at the choice of Leona Alislev as deputy leader. Uh, the thought is, why didn't he choose somebody who has been there longer, more longstanding conservative? Uh, does this have something to do with what seems to be a push to get him out? Uh, no, I, I think you... We- um, the leader picked uh, Leona. She's someone who can do the job. Uh, she's shown herself to be extremely competent um, in the House of Commons in question period, uh, but in uh, leadership roles uh, throughout the province. Uh, you know, obviously we want someone, you know, with Andrew being um, based in Saskatchewan, we want someone in another part, another region of the country. And, and I think it, it comes down to picking someone who is competent and is going to do a, a good job. And, and I think that's why uh, Leona was chosen. Is she supposed to be kind of the more progressive face? I mean, after all, she was a liberal. Uh, I, I think it, it behooves anyone who's in a, in a leadership role like Andrew to have people who have uh, not necessarily an echo chamber. You want uh, people around you uh, on your team who are bring different perspectives and different ideas and uh, are going to be uh, challenge any decisions that uh, that we bring. So certainly you don't want to have... Um, Everyone who uh, is an echo chamber, you want to have people who bring uh, different perspectives. And I think Leona certainly does that. Uh, And what is your take? I mean, in the last few days, we have seen very, very public campaigns, I would say, to oust Andrew Scheer and very public criticism of him. Uh, What is your take on that? Well, I think that's uh, natural. It's going to happen um, when you lose an election. But uh, none of those uh, public um, concerns being raised, or anyone within from anyone within our team, um, all of our MPs are strongly behind Andrew. Our, our caucus is uh, is united. Um, you know, our membership has been. Uh, you know, very strong behind Andrew. Uh, so the these initiatives that are that are out there um, are not coming from anyone who's within our team. And uh, I can tell you uh, from the caucus meeting we had a couple of weeks ago and speaking with my colleagues, um, we're ready to get to work. Absolutely. Um, with the, the result of the election is, is not what we, what we wanted, um, but no election is a sure thing. And we knew that going into it, it was going to take a lot of hard work. And uh, we had thousands of volunteers across the country knock on millions of doors um, and we, we came up short, um, but we made some great strides, uh, you know, won the popular vote, uh, have one of the strongest oppositions in Canadian history. Uh, we have to learn from that election and we will and we'll move forward from that. What do you say are, are strategists who are just on the line saying they, they've never seen, or at least one of them said that he's never seen so much dissent and such a push to oust the leader so early on? Well, then I would say they don't remember 2004 very well. Uh, I I recall certainly after uh, Prime Minister Harper lost that first election, um, it was very similar. Uh, Lots of calls uh, that his career was over, he wasn't the right person. Um, You know, this this happened then. And what happened 18 months after that? Uh, Mr. Harper formed government and was the Prime Minister for almost a decade. Uh, We certainly have to take uh, some lessons from, as I said, from this election. I think all of us uh, took a few days or even a couple of weeks to uh, 
you know, we're frustrated and, and uh, you know, kind of questioning what went wrong. Uh, but we've gone through that. Uh, we, we've initiated uh, uh, with uh, our friend John Baird is, is um, going to be doing a complete analysis of our campaign, uh, learn from those things. Um, but like I said, we, we have to start moving forward and, and stay united as a team. I think we have seen in the past when conservatives are fractured, we lose. Uh, we have to stay united and focused on a common adversary and, and uh now we have to refocus, and our, our focus now, starting December 5th, when the House is back in, is uh, is doing all we can to reunite this country. Uh, I think that is a top priority, um, but we also have to stay united as a party. Okay, and uh, what do you say to people, and they've been very public about this, that you just need somebody who is more socially liberal, different attitudes to LGBT community to be electable, certainly in Ontario and in Quebec as well. Yeah, I, I don't see why we, uh, you know, have to change who we are um, to appease, uh, you know, other voters. I guess uh, I think we have to do a better job of communicating. Um, you know, I think we lost that message during the campaign. Um, I don't see why uh, Andrew's um, faith-based upbringing should be a decision, should be uh, a reason why he can't be a leader of a national party. Um, but I think we have to communicate, do a better job of communicating. Um, we are definitely not going to re- reverse uh, same-sex marriage rules uh, or laws that are there. We have no intentions of revisiting um, uh, the abortion question. Uh, as a conservatives, we stand up for... Every, every Canadian, no matter what your uh, your your religion, uh, your your sexual orientation, um, your background, um, you know, we are there to represent all Canadians, and I think we have to do a better job of of, uh, of our messaging on that. Okay, John Barlow, the MP for Foothills. Thanks very much for being with us. It's a real pleasure. Anytime. Thank okay. you so much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.